Rip City. To all of you here in town and in every corner of the interwebs, thank you for tuning in here with you from Hood River. As always, I'm Keith Hutner Smith, and today we've got pro sports writer, pro sports camera guy, pro sports broadcaster, pro sports broadcast mentor to yours truly. Only reason I've ever had a chance to work with the Blazers, he's been working up close for years covering Blazers, Beavers, uh, Ducks, all the sports around Rip City. Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, welcome back to Trailcasters after more than a year of absence, Christopher Joseph Burkhardt. How you doing, man? I don't know. I, I don't know how to feel after that. <laughs> Thrown off. Don't know how to feel. That was supposed to I thought that up. was good, but like, I, get you going. I felt like I should have had like Ric Flair's you know, music in the background. <laughs> bum, bum. <Yeah>. Woo! Bum, <laughs> bum. I said it was like old WCW days, you know. There Michael Buffer. Standing six feet, yeah, four inches yeah. tall, from Hollywood, California. Hollywood, oh yeah, whatever good. it was. Yeah, that's what I yeah. felt like. I, the, epic way to get way to get your guests pumped up, man. Thank you, thank you, sir. See, you know, I forgot. I should have included your your wrestling nickname, Christopher Joseph, the Bully Burkhardt, <laughs> at least for here on Trailcasters. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot all about Bully Burkhardt. <laughs> Christopher Bully Burkhardt, man, that's been your that's been your Burkhardt. role here back with uh, I think that was with yeah. Ty. Shout out to Ty uh, Ty Delbridge back in the day. Hey. But yeah, man, it's been a while. It's very very good to see you. Thank you for coming. Yeah, on. Absolutely, man. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll eventually get to Blazers. You know, we'll, we'll kind of get there. But again, there's been a lot. A uh, lot has happened for both of us since we last got to kind of speak in this medium, not having to just kind of see each other briefly around the office when you were coming in to drop something off or when I'm getting out of a radio show. But we have both moved. Uh, I think you said it's been nearly a year to the day since you moved uh, into your place, and I it's been much more recent for me. But let me just ask you that as question number one: What has dominated your life most since the move? Unpacking. Bloody noses and bruised knees, uh, or other? Like, where where are you going? What what has spent most of your time? Oh no, it is weird. Like, you've been here for a year. I think most everything's unpacked, but I feel like you're still like settling in. Like, the, where do I want this couch to be? Where do I want this this to be in my garage? <laughs> like, my garage has already been like moved around with like three different designs. The desk that I'm sitting at right now is in like the third different spot it's been in. Like, the crazy part about unpacking is once you start unpacking, you reach the point where like. You reach into a box and you grab something <laughs> and then there's like a good 30 seconds where you just hold it in your hand going, what the hell is this? I don't know. <laughs> where what did this, this come from? I don't know what this goes to. I don't know where it came from, but it's in when my was this box. Last part of my life. <laughs> yeah. So it's mine. Yeah. And now I'm really confused. Like that's that that's the fun part of moving. But yeah. So beyond beyond the unpacking, beyond the bloody noses, uh, that is part of rearing children which <laughs> has yep. been a, a fun factor today obviously I'm, I'm trying to put all sorts of weight and blame on oh your kid had a bloody nose and it delayed our podcast after i delayed our podcast like yeah. multiple days multiple times just because i'm a disorganized crazy person i don't know uh, what, what kind of, and, and you say i'm the bully you're like trying to guilt me <laughs> because i asked if we could push it back an hour because How my child you? had a bloody nose that i was trying to take care of to make make my daughter feel comfortable and less stressed when you are like, hey, can you do it this day? <laughs> just kidding. Can you do it tomorrow? Oh, just kidding. Can you do it next week? Like, <laughs> you move, you move me days and weeks. I move you an hour, and I'm the bad guy. I thought, I thought for sure. I thought for sure after the hour delay of the bloody nose, you're gonna come back and be like, hey, let's just do Friday. Let's just go yeah. tomorrow. I'm, I, I'm busy today. Next but, time you ask, I, next time you ask me to guess, <laughs> I'm just gonna start walking from my house to Hood River and see what happens first. We, <laughs> like, you call me to record, or I make it to your house in Hood River by foot. 
it wouldn't be a bad idea. We could do some in-person sessions. That'd be fun. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's uh, it certainly is not your fault. And if you had actually asked to move it towards Friday, I would have had to oblige because it's you still would have been uh, lesser nuisance than than myself as far as the scheduling goes. I got a lot of those checks that I can still cash in on you, so we're good. <laughs> Uh, okay, so again, I, w- I want to have one other tangent. We're going to tangent off a bit more before we even get towards basketball whatsoever. But uh, last time I had AQ and Cassidy Gamet on here, shout out to both of them. We were talking Marvel. We were talking kind of, you know, like the, the, the new MCU that's come out over the summer, Winter Soldier and Falcon, uh, or sorry, Falcon and Winter Soldier, Loki, uh, WandaVision. Have you, are you a Marvel person? Have you checked out any of those shows? I like the movies. Haven't had a chance to watch the shows yet, just because, uh, as we stated earlier, the daughter, which means my TV <laughs> is my TV is dominated by uh, True in the Rainbow Kingdom and Luca and Coco <laughs> and whatever other Disney Pixar movie is good at the time. Uh, they they control the TV. By the time it gets to the time where I can watch Loki and catch up, I'm like tired. So I usually go to bed or play video games. But I do need to get caught up. So I, I absolutely, I'm a superhero guy, superhero nut. Love the movies um, and have heard good things about the show. So I do need to get on them. But I was yeah. late to the show, uh, the party in general. Though I used the pandemic as an excuse to get caught up on the movies because I was behind on the movies. Nice. My wife oh, and I. Excuse. Yeah, my wife and I were like, "Okay, this is our goal. We're gonna we're gonna try to get through the entire MCU before the restrictions are lifted." You know, little did we know <laughs> that we didn't have, have to rush to get time. through those movies. Yeah, you could have done that like three times. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, dude. Abby and I we pushed through um, the entire chronology of Star Wars and the entire chronology of the MCU uh, at, at different points during COVID. And I shouldn't say the whole chronology of Star Wars, because we didn't do all the animated stuff and a lot of the other ones, but we did the movies, the movies itself. Uh, and yeah, we watched WandaVision earlier this summer. Uh, f- that was good. It was it was way better than I expected. Falcon and Winter Soldier was not bad. It was a little more of like a buddy cop kind of series. It's just not my flavor. Uh, but we ac- actually have not started Loki yet. I'm curious about that one. Uh, but hey, what else you mentioned, and uh, you know, again... I asked you what, what's dominated your life most between unpacking or the child care, the child care stuff. I didn't even include movies or video games because we kind of knew what the real answer, real answer was there. But you mentioned uh, video games as your other kind of alternative. Are, have you gotten back into Red Dead? Have you are you back in RDO? Are you doing the online stuff now? Or I, are you just replaying the story? Where are you at? Haven't done Red Dead online, but I beat the story, and that's the only video game I can I can honestly say without you know feeling bad about it. It's the only game I've ever played that made me cry. So there's that. Won't ruin it for you because I know oh, you're still man. you're still going through deep. But I cry <laughs> I I cried on that one. Uh, that's easily the best game I, I've ever played. That thing was phenomenal. Um, but I've moved on. I got some. I've been playing a lot of uh, Sea of Thieves with some buddies. Escape uh, Escape from Tarkov. They just wiped and started fresh on that game. So I've been playing that one lately. It's a fun shooter if you haven't heard about it. And uh, okay. some college football because I got the uh, college football revamped on the on the computer, which is super fun. They, uh, these, this, these guys took the time to mod the old NCAA 14 and put in all the new uniforms and all that. So it's pretty, it's pretty oh, sweet. Wow. Kind of adds a, <laughs> adds a new layer of paint to an old game, makes it fun again, but I haven't got into any good, uh, one player games yet. Like, like red dead again. However, I have got to the point where I liked red dead enough that I'm, I'm about ready to, to play it again. Cause that, that was a good game. That was a good game. 
Yeah, man. I, I'm I'm not against shooters, and I've had a lot of fun with it. Uh, B- Battlefront is kind of my my mainstay shooter. I know you've tried to get me in towards Apex more. I'm just never really committed towards kind of learning the the other style, the other weaponry layouts, and all that. Uh, but Red Dead, man. Before this game, my game had been Witcher, and Witcher Three was that same kind of open world, single player, roam round. Uh, you know, a game that you could definitely by the time you finish it, you give it a month or two, and then you want to go back and start again. Uh, but man. Honestly, even playing Red Dead, I'm about halfway through right now. I I just did the uh, the riverboat gambling thing where you you hold up the whole riverboat and then jump off the back of the end. That was fun. That was a good mission. But I think I did see that it's like 51.7%. I'm just going like, man, I've been doing this for <laughs> for months. <laughs> How much more game is there? Yeah. It's a it's a big one. I like it. There's definitely shades though, as far as like the the environment, the ambience, like kind of the the, the world it builds in there. Man, it it is it's good. It's very rich. And it's definitely going to be revisitable. I think when I'm done. That's the fun part about a video game is is the world has to be alive, like yeah. you, you you like you have to be in a world where you don't feel like it's it's your AI that's just going through like like an old game where the the enemy would just go in in the same line over and over and right, over and then right. you could time it like when you're when you're playing Red Dead you can get lost because you just you feel like you're in an actual world like San Denis is a real place full of life like the amount of time and money that goes into to making these games and all like the dialogue that the the NPCs say that you might not ever hear because it's just there to be background yeah. noise for it's like it's it's absolute crazy and I, to be honest why I, I love a, I love a good video game because not only can you play Red Dead but it's like it's a great story that rivals any movie or television show out there. It the only difference is. is you get to play and you get to be the main character. That's what, that's what's fun about video games. Some people don't like them and don't understand that. Like, why would you do that? I'm like me playing video games is no different than, than you binge watching Netflix, man. I'm just getting a little more involved in my form of entertainment. Yeah. You're putting yourself in as the main character. I'm totally, and that is specifically RPGs like that. I love that aspect of being able to kind of, you're, you're having like an interactive movie that you're watching, especially when it is a well-constructed story. Uh, and these games are red dead is an amazing story. And, you know, sorry for anyone who's not played, not trying to give big spoilers. I'm only halfway through the game, so it's not even really a spoiler. But when you lose a character that you've like had some missions with and you care about, and then you're walking through town and Sean gets shot through the face, <laughs> that killed me, man. Yeah. That blew me. I was like, no, not sh-. like I liked Sean. That dude was cool. Yeah. He was my, like your Irish buddy. I think you've, uh, you've reached a point. The game came out in 2018, so you've reached yeah. a point where you don't have to worry about spoilers. Like if if you haven't played yeah. it three years in. You left yourself open for spoilers. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's 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 good. It's it's good stuff. Let me ask this though. While we are sitting here on the tangent before we get towards any sort of basketball, you know, what are we like? We're we're ten or so minutes in for all these you know, who what, what do people turn into tune into trail catchers for if not non basketball tangents? Who, who no one talks blazes over here. Uh, <laughs> let me ask you, as far as the gaming, the RPG thing versus the shooter thing, because I'm totally with you on what you're saying about the richness of a good RPG, the world they build, all the it's you got to play some of these games with subtitles just because you get that background dialogue. It doesn't have any effect on the game, but it's like you hear some cool uh, storylines between other characters, and again, stuff that doesn't even affect, but it just you know kind of enhances the world. You don't get that from a shooter in the same way, but obviously, shooters are still very immersive. There's, there's like. Each shooter has kind of their own mechanics and kind of way of, uh, of, of working around the, manipulating the weapons and all that kind of thing. Would you say you're primarily an RPG player or a shooter player? Both. I don't have one, but it's because you can divide. No, it's because it depends on it depends on the situation. What I like about a good a shooter is like if I just want to go game for like a half hour, 
I can jump in. I can get a couple rounds of Call of Duty in, or, or a, yep. a, a round or two of uh, Escape from Tarkov, a couple rounds of Battlefront, whatever your shooter is, and there be done. And, nice. and, uh, and be done. But if I'm sitting here, I'm like, I got hours to kill. Right. Then I'm like, I'm popping in a Red Dead or. You know, back in the day, uh, Ocarina of Time, which I'll play ad nauseum. Earthbound for the Super Nintendo, which is probably my favorite RPG of all time. The you know, old uh, Final Earthbound. Final Fantasies, like yeah, those ones. If you know that you're gonna waste time, I love it. <laughs> like, like I'm the type that I'll play Red Dead and sit there and like look at the amount of hours you put into beating the game. I'm like, a hundred plus hours. Uh, why was this game so short? Like, I like. There are some people who like their games short and, and to the point. Get in, get done. Anything over 30 hours of gameplay is too much. Like, no, I just want to dive in and just, I get mad when it's done. I'm like, no, there's there's more story to be told. So, like, if I had to pick one, like, if you're like, Chris, your go-to, it's going to be an RPG. I'm just saying I like both of them in, in different aspects. That was good. I like that. I like the breakdown there. And, and yeah, you're totally right. I think... Uh shooters are much easier to kind of jump in it's a little more social you get in and play with other people although red dead does have that other aspect probably the first maybe not the first rpg but the first like the biggest rpg let's say that also has that kind of online society where you can jump in and play open world with other players in there as well uh but again haven't even gotten to that haven't even gotten to red dead online because i figured it was better to kind of get through the story and you mentioned time and the hundred hours thing I did just see this today, actually, on the little um, the little phone app you can get for Red Dead, where you get your second screen, all your stats, and all this. I'm only 51% through the game, and it said I've played three days and like 16 hours already. Of it's gameplay. wild. It's, it's wild. like there's been so much time just spent hunting animals and getting pelts and stuff, and all the different things you can get immersed in, and all the side stories. Then, and that's even with trying to keep in mind that I've been trying to push through the story just so you and I could get to some RDO, play the online side of it. Yep. One day, maybe by the time you've uh, moved to your next house. I was uh, say, on your timeline? Else. On your timeline? <laughs> yeah, Red Dead 3 is going to be out for we get a chance to play on your timeline. Look, man, especially now that I've moved to Hood River, it, this is not... Well, obviously, we're not on the coast or anything, but this is island time out here. Like out here in Mountain Town, nothing moves quickly. And if I I moved slow in the first place, it's not. I'm not going to get quicker being out here than I was before. <laughs> all right, uh, we have wasted enough time though on on all on some of the catch up. You and I will do more of that at another point. But let's get let's start zoomed out. Let's get to some basketball. Question number one. You know what? And this isn't even really a question. We're going to put this question in the form of a statement. Suns in six, baby. I, I, that's that's who I'm taking. That's who I got. Who do you have for the NBA Finals right now? I still have the Suns with the way this thing's playing out. It's going seven. Man. It's going. You're seven. going seven. It's going Dude. seven. If if the Suns can continue to play the way they played most of this playoffs, I, I think they got it. I just the last two games were good for Milwaukee. They found some ways to to stop Chris Paul defensively, especially there in Game Four, force, force some turnovers from a guy who had been incredibly uh, skilled with keeping the ball, you know, to himself and not letting it go to the other team there. Um, but outside of that, I, I think I think it's the Suns. I the thing I love about the Suns, man, is they're just a bunch of guys that people really haven't talked about for years, right? Devin Booker yeah. has been disrespected, um, and I'll, I'll own it. Years ago, I didn't like him. I'm like, oh, he's just he's just jacking up shots. He's not that good. Just and a shooter. I'm, and yeah. I'm gonna eat. I'll, I'll, I'm eating crow on that because the dude's phenomenal. He's playing like the best shooting guard in the league. And uh, the last uh, few games too, like 
he's not a slouch defensively. He's much better defensively than people want to give him credit for as well. Not a world beater, but he is good on that end. I mean, I think that he gives better effort on the defensive side of the ball than CJ McCollum does. And that's not a huge knock on CJ. I just don't think CJ is good on that end. And sometimes players aren't. But CJ is far above average offensively, so it can balance out. Uh, but you guys, guys like uh, Aiton, who no one has really talked about, who's, who's jump this year has been absolutely incredible. That's, oh, what, yeah. that's what you want to see in a big man to be able to really take that jump. And a lot of that has to be with, or has to deal with playing with Chris Paul. And I think for Chris Paul, right. Win or not. I think he's getting a lot of respect put on his name, which sounds weird. Cause he's, he's in the argument for the best point guard of all time. He has to be everywhere. He goes, Keith finds success. He took an Oklahoma City Thunder team that everyone said was dead <laughs> in the water the minute they traded Russell Westbrook, yep. right? There's no way this team is good. He he made them good. They were they were a good basketball team. Yeah. He went to Phoenix, a team that didn't make the playoffs, and yes, they had an incredible run in the bubble, but until then they were the Phoenix Suns for God's sake. And he's, he he has them in the finals. Like, yeah. it's, it's absolutely phenomenal what he's done. And what I love about watching the Suns, man, is you see all those all those role players, the, the, the Cam Johnsons, the Jay Crowders. They, they come in, and they just do their job. Like, Cameron Payne, like, that guy's been phenomenal, too. Oof. And they just play good team basketball. That's phenomenal. On the other yeah. side with Milwaukee, they do, too. Don't get me wrong. They, they play good team basketball as well. But to me, I think they're only going to go as far – it's not necessarily Giannis, but Chris Middleton's offense can take him because that guy has also taken his game to an entirely new level this playoff. Because everyone was talking about like CJ McCollum for Chris Middleton. Right. Is that a deal you could do? <laughs> yes, you could. But then people talked about how Chris Middleton kind of disappeared in the playoffs. He, yeah, he could score, but he wasn't that great. This guy has been knocked down, dead eye shooter all playoffs long. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he is the batman while Giannis is the robin like some people have said no Giannis is definitely batman but they need those 40 point games from chris middleton right now let me let me dive on in on that real quick uh i heard a comparison today that i actually liked a little better because middleton is playing better than a robin you can't put him as the robin to Giannis's batman uh what someone said today i think it might have been on first take but i don't really want to credit those guys so forget that part uh if Middleton is Batman, Giannis is Superman. I kind of liked that, where there's still like there's still a team up aspect. They're both kind of their heroes in their own way, uh, and honestly, even just the idea that Superman being kind of this, he's got these, for lack of a better phrase, God given talents. His the physical uh, abilities that he has that make him so incredible. Where Batman is more of this kind of technical guy shooting kind of the, the fundamentals and the mid range and the rest like Middleton does. I thought that was kind of a good comparison. But honestly, man, I want to I want to jump back to Phoenix, like you said as well. The fact that Chris Paul, he was when he went to OKC, that was pretty much a, a a cleanup team, a team that's going to be restructuring. And people, I think, were a lot of us looking at this as kind of like, okay, Chris Paul's twilight years, you know, kind of his uh, his uh, little welcome or you know, like goodbye farewell tour kind of thing. Like we've seen some other from other star players before they left the league. And yeah, then he comes to Phoenix and just unlocks what they had going on down there. Devin Booker, like you said as well, I remember years ago when he was being compared it was like Devin Booker and Clay Thompson and then Blazer fans we were even trying to throw in like Wesley Matthews back in the day compared to Clay Thompson the way that Booker has just 
completely risen above. Like I, I don't. I think if you put he and Clay next to each other at this point, there isn't a comparison. They play very different games. There's just so much more depth to what we've seen that Booker can do at this point. Um, I'm glad to hear that we're both on the side of Suns taking this down. Uh, I just I, I like what they're doing, and obviously I lived in Phoenix for about a decade. That's kind of my other my former home team down there. But you can't you can't deny how amazing the bucks have been and yeah the, the days where we thought we could maybe get middleton out here for cj that deal needed to happen maybe a year or two ago it's it's not yep. it's not on the board anymore. it's uh, it's absolutely done uh especially with this this playoff performance but i but i'm pretty sure neil and co have had some internal discussions about it <laughs> and, we, and we could dive more on on that later uh but yeah it's it's a great series i think it's a, i i don't want to go with all the other uh, talking heads who say this is bad for basketball because it's not the Lakers or the Knicks or, or the Celtics. So good for this basketball. is phenomenal for basketball, man. It's new blood for years and years and years. I mean, how many, what is it, like 12 teams or something like that have won the title from right. 1989 to now? Like, there hasn't been a lot of parity. Getting teams like Phoenix in and Milwaukee in is good. Not only is it good for the NBA to say, hey, it's more than just the big markets. You know what else it's good for? It's good for the arguments of a Damian Lillard to get off this nonsense like a Stephen A. Smith pushes all the time. We need to get Damian Lillard to the Lakers. He's never going to – or the Lakers, or excuse me, yeah, the Knicks. We need to get him to the Knicks. He's never going to win it. No, you got small market Milwaukee, and yes, they're a big town, but they're kind of a small market team mentality in Phoenix – who are in the NBA Finals right now, and there is no asterisk. This is not a fluke. This is not the right. bubble or anything. This was a, yes, 72 game, but this was a full season, the normal travel, all the stuff, and these were the two teams that came through and made it. They, I mean, the yeah. Lakers the Lakers faltered in the playoffs. The Clippers faltered in the playoffs. Denver got an MVP, and no one gives Denver credit, but Nikola Jokic was absolutely phenomenal. Denver finding success. Phoenix finding success. Milwaukee finding success. This is great for the NBA, and it's great for people who argue guys like Damian Lillard. Like, no, Damian can win if he stays in Portland. Yeah. Look at what Giannis is doing. Giannis got him to the finals. Look at what Devin Booker is doing in Phoenix. He got Phoenix to the finals. It, this is great for small market team. And that is why all those talking heads hate it because right. <laughs> they know ratings-wise of a Lakers-Knicks, that, that gives them fodder to talk, right? Why? Because because even though the Knicks aren't in the playoffs, even though the Lakers aren't in the playoffs, they're still going to find reasons to talk about the Knicks and the Lakers and how to get players. How could <laughs> like you could turn on any random show right now and they're probably talking about how if they don't win the finals, then then Giannis has to leave. Giannis has to go to the Lakers. It, why? <laughs> he just took him to the finals, dude. Respect that. Quit trying to break up these guys and find, make them find reasons to leave. This is absolutely phenomenal for basketball. And on top of it, you looked at the way the playoffs were played. The Suns had plenty of blowout wins. The Blazers had blowout wins and losses. It was a weird playoffs. And you got games right now that are like, yeah, they're up by 15, but then they're down by 10. And it, like, th- there are some ebbs and flows and fun basketball to watch. Games being decided on a giant block that is being compared, that is being talked about as possibly one of the best blocks in all-time postseason NBA. They're comparing it to LeBron's block on Iggy in Game 7, which, in my opinion, is still the best block out there. Agreed. But, yeah, you're getting big plays right now, and you're getting plays for markets that haven't seen this. Like Kind of what you're saying as well. 
if you didn't have the Lakers or the Knicks or the Celtics or some of the other like big market teams, if you didn't have them in the finals for the next several years, the fan bases there are not going to dry up. You're going to have fans that still know the, about the glory days. They're still going to be looking for like when the franchise turns it around. That Those markets will be fine, but you get other markets involved this way. All these fan bases, if you were a fan in Phoenix over the last decade of not even making the playoffs, if you were a fan in Phoenix, how much are you watching in the postseason? If you're not uh, sure, there are some fans that are just going to watch whoever is in there, and I, you know the, the the NBA market wants or the N- NBA machine, excuse me, wants you watching the postseason whether your team is in there or not. But there are plenty of fans out there, like the general fan, that is just going to disengage if their team just doesn't have any hope. And yeah, so you see parity like this. That that plus the play-in tournament, like we've talked about this in the past before, obviously since you've been here last, so if you want to throw anything in on that too, but I think even when you were here before, we might have discussed actually the format of the play-in compared to the bubble and what they were talking about doing this year. Um, it, it's, it's just, it's good for the NBA. It's good to have parity. It's good to have more fan bases thinking that they could be engaged a little bit longer. It, it's, yeah, I, I don't know how anyone can argue otherwise at this point. I think play-in is a marketing failure, though. I hate the idea of a play-in and I and well, you mean just the title? Yeah, I think it's a marketing failure because I hate the idea of a play in, work your butt off all year and then go to the play and to earn a spot in the playoffs. Like, uh, I, yeah. I think I think it needs to be marketed more like uh, like Major League Baseball, like NFL. Like, oh, it's a wild card game. It's a wild card series. A wild right? card, right? Okay. Like okay. you you have earned your spot. You're in the playoffs. But I do think I do think the way you should match it up if you wanted to change it. I don't think it should be. I don't think it should be. You know. Uh, eight and nine face each other or whatever. And the higher seed only needs to win one game, but the lower seed needs to win two. I think it should just be a best of three series regardless. First team to best two. Best of three. Okay. Yeah. First, first, just, just, just like, you know, like uh, what baseball used to do, you know, where the wild card was it's five gamer or whatnot, like a pet best of three. And then you're in, but you've, but you're in the playoffs. This isn't a play in like you, you've earned your spot into the playoffs, but you got to earn getting into the seven game series you know what i mean but i think if you call it playoffs rather than play in i think a lot of more people buy into it so this idea of a play in is just is just weird i don't i i I don't like that but whatever that's just that's just playing with words here that that's that's fair and you know there was a lot of talk about that too as far as uh you know the, the seventh seed if they earned the seventh seed uh, placement through the regular season, through the 72-game regular season, why would they be able to lose the seventh seed and possibly even lose a playoff uh, spot in general if they lost, I think, simply a matter of two to three games, depending on which format we talked about. This uh, play in this season, they didn't do the one win for the top seed and two for the bottom, right? They just did it straight up. I kind of like your idea, though, of making it a best of three in, uh, best of three series. And the NBA, you'd think, would be on board with that, too. It's going to be that many more games. It's going to be a little bit more engagement. And again, it's, it's just it's keeping audiences uh, involved who wouldn't necessarily be in the previous format. It's, it's just better. I don't see it going away at this point. And, and yeah, hopefully we just hopefully the Blazers can avoid uh, being in that <laughs> 7 to 10 bracket in the future. Yeah, they need some work, though. All right, let's... Uh, talk real quick about usa basketball almost as kind of a uh way to kind of move into a more important topic more blazer centric but my question number two for you chris will usa basketball win gold this year i think so okay yeah it's i I don't think it's that much in doubt but there's been a lot of talk we had there's been i think four losses all time for usa basketball and two of those losses came within the last week uh it was two consecutive losses to nigeria and australia before we finally did get a win over argentina 
these are all exhibition games. It's not real Olympic competition for anyone who's not fully locked in and paying attention yet. But there's also some other factors. We've now seen Bradley Beal have to enter health and safety protocols where now the Team USA is even trying to basically replace him, yeah. uh, that he's not going to be available. I've also heard Jeremy Grant is in health and safety protocols. I have not heard about him needing to be replaced yet, so I don't know if it's as severe. Obviously, COVID has not gone away yet. And for this to happen with Team USA basketball, I think it's just one more reminder that we're not done with this as much as everyone kind of wants to be. Uh, but yeah, the, I think the losses that came up against Nigeria and Australia, people did start to worry, oh, are we not sending our best guys? Have Has... Has the rest of the international field kind of caught up with USA basketball enough that, you know, we're not going to be getting golds anymore? I don't think it's that severe. Uh, the world has caught up, and we don't, we're don't we not sending our LeBrons and, and all that kind of thing out there. But we're still on top. We're still a favorite. I don't think the team of Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, and, and the rest out there are uh, going to be matched by any sort of thing that uh, one of the national teams is throwing out there. No, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, when your, your bench is NBA players, they're world-class talents. These, some of these other teams right. that you, your your bench is not NBA players. You got three NBA players maybe on your squad. But you can't take any of these teams lightly because the NBA, yes, the NBA is the gold standard, right? But it's not like these other professional leagues are a bunch of slouches, right? Because right. we're, the NBA has been looking to those leagues for players. You're taking a Luka Doncic, who was playing pro in Europe, and drafting him to come play in the NBA. So it's not like those leagues are are what they once were. They, they're not scrub leagues. These are talented basketball players. So you can't take them lightly. And so... Of course, you're gonna you're gonna possibly lose games. When you look at the history though of, of the Team USA in exhibition, those other years were not played under COVID, and COVID changes that because not only yep. did all these guys just play 72 games in a much more compact schedule than they're used to, they also had to do like CJ McCollum talked more than once about how exhausting this year was just because of having to wake up at random hours of the night to take COVID tests before getting on the plane, to have to take another COVID test when you got to arenas or shoot arounds and just nonstop testing and protocols and this and that. And it's the same thing here, even though yes, COVID is, is you're on the downhill turn, hopefully, and things are getting better. They still want to do their best to, to stay healthy and follow those protocols. So they're still doing those tests and they're still doing all those protocols. And on top of that all, I think it's absolutely, I think the team looked at the schedule, right? If I'm the team, I look at the schedule and you go exhibition. It's not worth anything. <laughs> I'm just yeah. going to go through the motions a little bit, continue to knock off the rest. Because what's crazy to me is for all the talk the NBA did about like scheduling and back to backs and wear and tear. Team USA, their exhibition schedule was like six games in eight days or something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. And yeah. so if, if, you, if you look at that, if you're a Damian Lillard and you know that you have a back-to-back -back against a, you know, a, a Nigeria and Australia or whatever the back-to-back -back actually was, but you look at that, you're like, okay, I'm not going to go all out in an exhibition game. That's like It's like asking Dame and Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal to give all-out effort for four preseason games in six days. It ain't going <laughs> to happen. It ain't gonna happen. And if you watch those games, if you're if you are looking at it through tunnel vision and you logged onto Twitter and you saw, oh my gosh, Team USA lost. How did it lose? Did you watch those games? 
because the games I watched, I had to turn away because it was boring yeah. basketball. Sloppy and slow. It was, yeah. it was Dame bring the ball up, pass the ball to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant do some ISO ball while a couple of guys stand around. Maybe go back to Dame. There were, the amount of the amount of plays that were being run were minimal. The amount of actual right. sets were minimal. Team USA was playing pickup ball. They yeah. were playing pickup so ball. And so no, that was my I, feel too. It's it, it, the, the, the the games have almost a feel more of like an all star competition than they do of like an NBA competition. And that's not saying anything bad about the opponents. The mm-hmm. opponents, if anything, are ready to go because these are mostly our guys that have been playing together for much longer than the USA team has been. Like we we are bringing these guys together. They've had a few practices, and now these exhibition games are really their their practices, uh, where you're facing teams that have played together. They know each other's tendencies. They know how to kind of and beyond that. Some of these players from other teams know the NBA players' tendencies because they also play in the NBA. So yeah, the, there's there's not a lot of value. There's not it's very low stakes for the for the Amer- Team USA players, uh, and it's also just it's it's an uphill battle. There there's not they shouldn't be expected to do a whole lot, but hey, the media needs something to talk about. Absolutely, they do. Absolutely. So let's let's run with that theme for a second. The media needing something to talk about. Did you see the? Uh, Twitter drama about Dame wearing number six for the Olympic team. I, there, there, I, I didn't see the drama, but I thought I saw it, but didn't see the drama. What's the drama? The, there was, I wish I could find who the tweets were from, man. I'm just curious how credible this really was, or if it was just someone trying to start some, sh- but there were tweets out there saying, Oh, if he's not wearing letter O or number zero in the Olympics, it's showing that he's detaching from Portland. What does this number six mean? Are there other, he explained it too. He said, okay, six years, I think six all-star nominations. Uh, like he talked about the number, like the number of correlations to wearing number six and why it's not just the letter O, but man, people will take anything for a sign that says Dame <laughs> is sick of Portland and he wants out, you know, like I'm tired of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. It's uh, he wore number six because that's what Le- LeBron wore in Miami, and then LeBron is actually oh. gonna change to number six again. <laughs> so it was like totally him paying homage to LeBron. Homage to LeBron. He wants to go play in LA with LeBron. That's wow, wow. I hadn't even thought about that one. <laughs> Shut it. Stop. Like, just come on now. Come on now. It's a number. Okay. It's a number. It is just a number. And I have another one that's even less than a number. Let's talk about this. Uh, so, so the, the question to lead this with, well, let me ask you, Chris Burkhart, professional sports writer and analyst, uh, here on the Trailcasters, did the Blazers turn down a Steph Curry trade? Now you, that might not be the, the, the headline you were expecting, but what this comes from is there were reports that Golden State had interior discussions about trading for Dame. Obviously, you and I, we were talking in pre-show. Let's just you know, quickly define interior discussions uh, as basically saying a GM's job. Like any any GM or any front office that isn't having interior discussions about any star player who might be available isn't doing their job. Would you agree? Absolutely. Internal discussions are part of the game, man. Why would you? Yeah. Come on. That's stupid. But it, So first of all, the idea that they're making a headline out of, oh, Warriors had internal discussions about trading for Dame. They're just trying to stir up more more smoke about Dame wanting out of Portland. It's all these silly constr- like pre-constructed media um, narratives, and I'm ah, oh, it's just it's there's nothing to it. There's no facts to any of this. There, there was, it's not like the Warriors called up the Blazers and said, "Hey, what do you think about uh, getting Dame out of here, trading Dame?" And, and they started discussing real packages. If they made a call, 
the phone got clicked. Like Olshay, as much as I dislike him and think he's a moron, he's not that dumb. He's not going to be taking offers on on Dame right now. If there's any player that's untouchable for Portland, I think that would probably be the player. Am I wrong on that? Are you? Would you think that Dame is on the trading block right now? If if Olshay said that he's running back the whole roster, do you think he's listening to calls uh, about Dame's Dame trades? Uh. I think you're you're picking up the phone to be nice because you don't want to uh, ignore phone calls from some other GMs around the league. Otherwise, you're going to sure, start getting yeah. in the doghouse. But you're calling, and you'd also be dumb to say, as as a GM, I think you're dumb to say every single player is off the table because yeah, for sure. If if Milwaukee calls and offers you Giannis straight up for Dame, you listen. If Brooklyn calls and offers you Kevin Durant straight up for Dame, you listen, right? <laughs> if, if if Golden State calls and offers you Steph straight up for Dame, you listen. Doesn't mean you pull okay. the doesn't mean you pull the trigger, but you listen. And and don't get me wrong. Oh, Golden State wasn't gonna be trading Steph right. for Dame. It's not gonna happen. But you listen because you try to find ways to get better. But is Dame the, the primary guy that they're dangling? Absolutely not. You got to try to move some pieces around him first. He's he is the best player in franchise history. He's a six-time All-Star for a reason. He is on Team USA for a reason. Like he he is a top ten player in this league. So you got to build around him. You don't just get get away from him. But you listen to so calls I, because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and and again, like we're saying, interior discussion is part of a GM's job. Taking the phone call is certainly part of the job. And yeah, if you were being offered some giant star package uh, for Dame, something centered around KD or Giannis, uh, not Ben Simmons, we'll get to that one later, or, or Curry, you know, you can have those discussions. But like you said, were the Warriors offering up a trade centered around Steph for Dame? No, they were not. The package that the Warriors re were reportedly discussing internally was around Wiseman and then the 7-14 and 14 pick in the draft. That's it. There wasn't a whole bunch of other moving pieces. They wanted to offer Wiseman for Dame, for one of the top five players in the league. This dude, <laughs> I mean, I just, okay, and, and okay, just to pile this on a little bit too, to make it a little bit worse, uh, I don't know if you listen to the Open Floor podcast. Shout out to Ben Golliver, hey! friend of the show, uh, former host of Open Floor. But, uh, oh man, I'm, I'm forgetting who runs it now. I'm blanking on names and I, I might have to go and fill that in at some point. But anyway, on a recent episode of Open Floor, they outlined several theoretical trades for Dame, specifically looking at like, oh, what could, you know, what teams might be offering Portland a deal here. Most of these trades didn't even include, didn't even include a true star player coming back to Portland. We're talking about like a package around Ben Simmons and role players and picks, or I think they had a, a, a package from the Pelicans that didn't include Zion. It was centered around like Brandon Ingram. Uh, why, why is Dame's value so low when this dude is a top five player, if not that top 10, you can't argue top 10. Uh, and he re just recently had arguably one of the best playoff performances in the history of the NBA. People were comparing it to Michael Jordan's game, even though it was not enough for the Blazers to get <laughs> an actual W out of it. But why is his value so low, Chris? I don't think his value is low. I think it's it's people trying to muddy the water a little bit and trying to fabricate that his value is so low. Uh, even even uh, James Harden, right? Like the, that trade probably went down a little less value than a lot of people thought, but he requested that trade. So he Houston was never going to get the value that he truly deserved because they didn't have 
you know, the cards weren't in their favor, but they still got an all-star in return for it. Like, yeah. <laughs> granted, he's hurt, but they still got an all-star in return for it. Dave's value is, is definitely not low. Dave's value is not Wiseman in picks. Dave's value, <laughs> Dave's value is a star player in return. It's a swap of players uh, in a way that you think is going to be beneficial to both teams. Is that a game for Ben Simmons? No, because I don't think that no. benefits the Blazers <laughs> in the in the least. But that's the type of trade that gets gets stuff going, right? It's the kind of talk that gets stuff going. A Ben Simmons who is a All Star and an All League defender and has those credentials to his name already. That's the type of player that might start to at least move the needle uh, for a Dame. A young up and coming center like Wiseman and picks isn't necessarily going to do it, especially when you don't know what those picks are going to be valued at. Because if you, I mean, if, if you have Dame and you have Steph and you also still have Andrew Wiggins and you also (laughs) have a healthy clay coming back, that's a team that's going to score a lot of damn points and they're going to be successful. So what's the value of that pick, right? So that doesn't move the needle. There are moves that do, but no, I don't think his value is low at all. I think it's, it's just people looking for something they can throw into an article and write about as is, you know, what happens this time of year, but no, he's still a very high value player. Yeah. uh, And actually let me shout out Ty, Ty Delbridge again as well. Uh, He had a tweet, I think in response to a Chris Broussard tweet, Broussard said something about the Sixers could make the right package around Simmons to get Dame. uh, And, Ty responded basically saying the only team in the NBA that he thinks could actually have the assets to make a package for Dame that Portland would look at would be the Pelicans centering something around Zion. Uh, I don't know if you go quite that far. And we don't, well, again, we're, we don't need to dive into all the theoretical trades for Dame because it's not happening. He's not going anywhere. It's ridiculous. But I think you you mentioned uh trades being something that like both teams kind of walk away happy with i almost think about the opposite when you see some of these fan bases trying to come up with theoretical trades if either team would be happy about this it's probably not actually realistic the only trades that are actually going to make sense or be realistic would be one where both teams are probably going to be a little unhappy with what they're giving up you know what i mean like a, a, a compromise is mostly made when neither person feels like they came out on top so yeah i just i, I think people need to just cool the jets and and not be too worried about some of these uh some of these offers out there because they're, they're just they're not realistic they're not matching up it's people are crazy and like you said it's that time of year when everyone's come out coming out with anything they can uh to to write articles about hi everyone quick interjection here real quick just to clear up the timeline we recorded this right before henry abbott reported that dame was going to request a trade from the front office that was a little over 24 hours ago from now. And right after that, Dame came out after USA basketball practice to refute the whole claim. He actually mentioned a couple other things beyond denying the trade request. Dame mentioned that they need to focus on real improvements and that a coaching change is not enough on its own, which flies directly in the face of the talking points that Olshay has been giving us. So we will address all of that in more detail on the next episode. But for the record, I am still of the stance that all trade rumors around Dame getting moved out of Portland would just be totally illogical for the Blazers. It's not going to happen. So take a deep breath. Everyone relax. We'll get back to that one on the next episode. But for now, enjoy the rest of the show. I don't want to get stuck on the coaching stuff for too long. But uh, Chris, my next question for you. Was Chauncey Billups ever not going to be the next head coach of the Portland Trailblazers? <laughs> given 
that, given the relationship that, that, that question that had. question has already been answered we're not going to answer it again <laughs> next question uh too soon I see what you do there yeah no the that 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 is what makes the situation that is going on with Portland right now even that much more frustrating is because it doesn't take a genius to see that Chauncey it was Chauncey Billups' job to lose the entire time. From day and, one. Yeah. And that it would have taken a lot for him to lose it. And I don't like that not only from a basketball perspective, I don't like that from the perspective of a, a guy who – you never know when they're going to have to look for their next job. I mean, employment in general. I don't want to go hit the workforce, right, and understand that I'm losing out on jobs because I never had a chance to even get it because they already decided who they were going to hire before they even started interviewing people. And that's, that's that can be frustrating. Right. And so you get, like, kudos. Kudos to a Becky Hammond and a Mike D'Antoni who went into yeah. that process trying to do their best to, to stake their case, not only for the Portland job, but for other jobs out there, whether that be this year or next year or whenever they come open. Like Mike D'Antoni stands a really good chance of getting another job before his career is done. Becky Hammond obviously has a very good chance of being the first female coach in the history of this league. They, they, they had nothing to lose by going to that interview and a lot to gain. But it still takes a little bit of swallowing of your pride to show up when you know that you're not going to get that job. That it was that yeah. it was basically Chauncey's from the get go. If if fans looked at the writing on the wall and knew that was Chauncey's job, if media looked at that and said that's Chauncey's job, let's not pretend like Becky and Mike D'Antoni right. didn't right. know that exactly. that was Chauncey's job too. And so that's what's frustrating in this because you you interview Becky Hammond and and you you do this PR play to to say we interviewed a female coach. Throw the name Don Staley in there too. They act like, oh hey, yeah. this is a possibility. And but you didn't, really. yeah. But you didn't give her a, a, a fair chance. Yeah, you threw the name Don Staley in there by. And I, I, I honestly, from the outside looking in, I, I love Becky Ham. I, I, I think she's a good coach. I think she's a great basketball mind. I think she would benefit honestly from le from leaving Coach Pop and going and learning other uh, uh, under some other systems system. so that yeah. it's not just going into every interview and the only pr people th that you have on your, you know, that you can say, Hey, here's my reference is coach pop and that organization. It worked for right. Emay, right? Emay was a coach pop guy. And then he left and he had time with the Sixers and had time with the nets. And that that's what helped him land that job in Boston was getting more eyes on him. I think that would benefit Becky Hammond. Uh, and yeah, Blazers didn't look at Udoku at all. Yeah. Tremendous. He was never even on the list, which is stupid because Again, Ime Udoka has been spoken about for years yeah. as being a, a good up-and-coming coach, and I think he's going to do a phenomenal job uh, with Boston. I also think, uh, since you mentioned her, I think if you were looking to hire the first female coach, I know Becky Hammond gets all the play, but I think just from a pure coaching perspective, I think Dawn Staley, Staley could have been a home run. She is a yeah. she is a phenomenal coach. That pedigree that she's earned there uh, in College of South Carolina is phenomenal. People in the league love her. I think she would have been a, a a coach who could come into that locker room. And there is no debate of uh, uh, can a, can a woman gain the respect of the right. man in the locker room, which is just stupid to me because to 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 to, to even frame it like that, it, you're almost trying to say that it's the female coach's problem for being a female. No, if you can't go into the locker room. <laughs> If you can't go into the locker room and get the player the respect of the players, that's the players' problem. That's not your problem. Yeah. 
Like that's, that's a player in a culture that, problem. I have worked under plenty of women in my life and had no problem working under a, a, a woman who knew what they were doing. The only thing I have ever, right. ever cared about in my boss is just respect for what they do. Someone like Don Staley, they respect her. Someone like Becky Hammond, just to, to, to even be considered to be on Co- Coach Pop's staff, you have respect. And players will right. respect that. I guarantee you they'll respect that. Um, so, yeah, I think both of those uh, would have been great. But I think just from just a pure coaching perspective, man, I think Don Staley would have been great. And I do think if you wanted to do all the, all the things that Neil Olshay said, right? And <laughs> I'm going on a tangent here, so I apologize. No, tangent away, bro. All the things that Neil Olshay said that they wanted in their next head coach, Right. They right. want they, experience. They wanted mindset. They wanted experience. They wanted playoff success, right? Yes. They wanted defense, but playoff success was a big thing. A guy who had been there, a guy who could come in and get respect. A guy who checked almost all those boxes except defense was Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni would have been the guy who could come in and there's no questions asked, no red flags, and he could have found success. And I know people dog on Mike D'Antoni for some reason, but that guy, he 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 had Phoenix churning for years and had them in the Western Conference Finals. He had Houston churning for years, if not for a few games here and there. Like he had a Houston team that legitimately, legitimately had a chance of dethroning the, the Warriors in the playoffs. Like he he has good teams and his defenses, they're middle of the road, but they're not always just shit shows of defenses. <laughs> and, and to be honest, his coaching was more like defensively was more like a Terry Stotts, but even a Terry Stotts who we knocked for last year, because you have to look at things in that, like last year, his defense was terrible, but he has had years under him where the defense wasn't his defense is up and down. His offense is consistent. That's what you got with Terry Stotts. That's what you get with Mike D'Antoni too, but he's a, he's an even better offensive mind than coach Stotts. Who's a pretty good offensive mind. So I'm like, if you could have put like a Mike D'Antoni offense with the way he is predicated around that three point uh, arc and the way he finds open open shooters compared to a Terry Stotts, Dame would have thrived, CJ would have thrived, guys like Rocco would have put up all time numbers for their career. Like it would have been a home run higher. Like if I, I looked at that list of names and I'm like, Mike D'Antoni would have been my number one. He wasn't on the list, but Ime Udoka would have been my number my my number two. Don Staley would have been my number three right Hammond probably would have been my number four maybe Billups gets into that top five just from a pure coaching perspective PR nightmare obviously probably gets him out of the top five but if I'm looking at (laughs) if I'm looking at just coaching uh, I would put him in there because he has a championship pedigree but he doesn't check champion yeah playoff success as a player not a coach like experience as a player not a coach so they went and hired a guy who didn't check any of the boxes <laughs> that they, that they outlined that. at the beginning, which is just yeah. an absolute head scratcher to me. Is he going to get respect from Dame? Absolutely. Dame's going to respect him. Dame has talked highly of him from, from uh, because of what he, he did as a player. And so that's good for Dame and him, but you're taking a huge flyer on a rookie coach when the other rookie coaches, the Emes, the Beckys, probably would have had a leg up on him from the start that's not to say that chauncey billups can't be good and i know there's plenty of red flags that we can get to later and we can talk about i'm not discrediting those because those have been pushed to the side and ignored enough by other people but from a pure coaching perspective it's just he can be successful but it's still a weird hire yeah it's 
let's let's let me let me just start with that in the response as well. It, there's nothing to say that Billups will be bad at as a head coach. As far as his actual head coaching, there's not some huge stain. You know, we can talk about Stoss didn't have defensive mindset. Uh, if people look really binarily at D'Antoni, they'd be saying the same thing. Oh, he's all offense. We need more defense up here. Okay, that can be a criticism. With people like Hammond, with people like Phillips, we haven't seen them as a head coach. So you can't kind of find detractors like that in the same way. That all being said, it does seem like there's a pattern here with Olshay of hiring the, his, his, for lack of a better term, his friends, the guys that he's worked with before, the guys he's uh, had in a profes professional situation. And I find that funny specifically because Dame has been quoted before talking about how, oh, I wouldn't make a good GM because I would just hire all my friends. I wouldn't want to let anyone go. I, and Dame says he'd be a bad GM because of that. And that's all we've seen the actual GM do is hire his friends, hire people that he's worked with previously, pick, uh, pick up players that he drafted once in the, back in the day and wants to try, kind of bring them in again. That, like it's, it's, said, it's not coincidental that when they were right. talking about uh, assistant coaches on Billups, that Vinny Del Negro was put in there. Vinny Vin Del Negro, what was that? That <laughs> look, look, look at it for what it is. Vinny Del Negro was never going to be the assistant coach. But <laughs> thank you. But if he's put on the list by sources, that's highly likely that that source is Neil doing a solid for Neil a guy O'Shea. who's worked with a close friend. It's, I mean, because and, and to that, I'm fine with. You're doing a solid. You're putting him on the list because you're just showing everyone that hey, Vinny's got interest but in dude, maybe getting back in the coaching realm again. But but, but again, that's in, but all like, that that's what is. I'm saying. When was the last time he was even an NBA coach? It's like, been like a decade, decade right? About a, de about a decade. <laughs> I think it was 2012, man. Uh, dude. And he wasn't even that good when he was. He, he wasn't. When he yeah, was he there. wasn't good then. Like there's guys like you argue like when you get like when there was murmurs cuz there's murmurs every every year about uh like a Jeff Van Gundy getting back into coaching well right right Jeff Van Gundy I think the reason he hasn't come back is probably because he's so far removed from the game as a coach now but at least he he had some pretty decent years under him I mean, I think there's no one who's going to argue that Vinny Del Negro was a better coach than Jeff Van Gundy but <laughs> but 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 yeah that's what that's what's happened here with Neil and it, the funny part is if Neil gets mad at that like dude like why get mad just at least just own it we're not dumb there's a you you you, you got al Aminu when you were in in la and what happens oh you end up getting al Aminu to, to to come to portland you you, but, you but, had experience uh, with billups you got billups to come to portland you there's the running joke around town with among fans that neil always gets his guys stubbornly i mean it when he signed Pau Gasol <laughs> in, uh, in right. 2020, even though he didn't play, that was a Neil got his guy. So it, it, it's 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 interesting uh, what what's going on there. But again, it's when you can't see past it and you know exactly what's going on. That's where it starts to get frustrating. That, that's that's the thing is the one thing we will never see Neil Olshay do is own it. The one thing we've seen him consistently do is not be able to own anything that would be somewhat detrimental the, like all the talk about how oh the you know firing stats and that presser well the mistakes the lack of defense wasn't on the roster construction okay sure there's coaching is a factor too but you're an idiot or you at least think fans are idiots if you think that you can just say oh roster construction had nothing to do with that it's the same stuff here man it just you put names out there when the first names that come out are kid and billups and the fans react vehemently against jason kidd and then you see Billups, and sure, it's not the same thing. We talked about this last time with Cassidy and AQ. Hey, hey. The situations were not the same, but Cassidy, I think, put very well on our last episode of Trailcasters that 
a lot of fans are not going to take this lightly. And any fan, male or female, who's dealt with any sort of uh, sexual abuse or domestic violence before, it doesn't matter if no. it's the same as Billups, uh, what, what he may or may not have gone through, what he may or may not have been guilty of, uh, what may or may not have happened 25 or so years ago. It doesn't matter. If you're someone that's gone through that stuff, there's a certain aspect of betrayal from the franchise when fans have so clearly said, we don't want that here. And then the, the franchise basically says, okay, well, we'll toss that guy to the side and we'll puddle all these kind of like, oh, well, yeah, we're not going to go for Billups. We've got Becky Hammond, a, a young upcoming woman coach. We've got Don Staley, an experienced woman coach. We've got D'Antoni. And you knew none of them had a chance. There were quotes from Becky Hammond who said she always she knew she was always second despite being the milestone uh, second interview for a for a woman head coach. I knew I was second. They knew who they wanted. At the end of the day, throw everything out the window. If you want to hire me, you'll find a reason to hire me, she said. And if you don't want to hire me, you'll find that reason too, and that's just that. That's a pretty telling quote as far as her saying there wasn't a reason not to hire her other than they it, already though. had their guy. I love it, though. It's it's her. Yeah. It's her. She She's subtweeting, but in real life, right? Like, like <laughs> Yeah. Like, like I like it, and with Billups, here's the thing. Here, here, here's the thing with Billups. Like, you run. To me, there's a slippery slope with how you with how you treat these things because, obviously, guilty in the court of law versus guilty in the court of public opinion. Like, those are two very different things, right? And because uh-huh. he wasn't proven guilty in court, they settled out of court. He's not guilty there. So I get that. That's fair. And I can say that he's not guilty, so we can move on in some aspects and give this guy opportunities, whatnot. What you can't do is ignore it. Yes. Because because he wasn't even though he wasn't he wasn't proven guilty in court, he was still involved in the situation. You can't can't ignore it. it. Because because to me, watching the Twitter fallout and hearing from the people who have been victims of sexual assault or know people who have been victims of sexual assault, their problems that I was getting at, and I could be wrong, but just reading Twitter, how I was interpreting it had far less to do with Billups being hired and far more to do with them feeling like they weren't heard and and, 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 and feeling as if, the way that the, the 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 one question that went viral that was cut off was another way to silence the victims in a way right and yeah. and, and and to me that was a, a weird move for them to do because it did more harm to Billups than good and was yes. really and was irritating to me watching it was Billups was ready to answer the question he was ready to address he it. Was he was ready, ready to, to talk answer about the this. question. And, and, and he could have done a very good job in trying to relieve any stresses that the, that the fans have, right? And right. even if it didn't, at least you gave him a chance to talk and maybe fans can say, okay, I still don't feel easy about the situation, but I'm going to give the guy a chance. But when right. certain things happen to where you totally make the fan base feel as if their opinions don't matter at all and that people who have been directly impacted by this feel like they're not being heard that is very unfortunate to do that because you are alienating a a a a section of your fan base no matter how big or small that is so to me that's the issue here and there are some people who directly take issue 
with Billups being hired. And I get that because to be, to, to, to take issue with him as the person, if you're that closely connected uh, uh, to domestic violence or assault or rape cases, whatever it may be, it's completely fair to feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's. But I think everyone should be on the same thing that to 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 ignore the elephant in the room at all costs is the absolute wrong move to do. Right, especially again with the specific issue of sexual abuse in the twenty first century. Here, part of, part of the part of the problem around sexual abuse issues has been the failure of the institution and of the authorities to be trustworthy. Part of the issue, even beyond sports, part of the issue here is that we don't listen to the victims. We don't, we, we, the victim gets discredited, whether due to their gender or due to their, uh, uh, social tendencies or anything else you want to say. The lack of, uh, the lack of being able to trust the system to do what's right is part of the problem here. So when you then have Neil O'Shea, like you said, Billups gets asked not one question, not two, but like, multiple questions about like hey can we just address this and he seems ready to answer it and then you get Olshay cutting off the question to say you're just gonna have to trust us we did our due diligence we did our own investigation you're gonna have to trust us trust is the issue trust is directly the problem it's, it's so tone deaf you there's it just seems like there's not there's not a much worse way that Olshay could have handled the whole introduction of a controversial head coach than to cut off questions from Jason Quick cut off AJ McCord cut off Sean Hyken when they're asking completely appropriate questions yeah. it just it, it seems it makes the Blazers look so horrible it 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 keeps you from even healing a, a situation where there should have been an opportunity to kind of clear the air in a certain way or maybe just take a deep breath and kind of all get on the same page it just makes it worse it, it just, and, I, and the crazy part to me is is like going into it Chauncey's not dumb so Chauncey right. knew those questions were going to happen yeah and I, and, and, I, and I think the reason he was willing to answer Jason's question, even though you know the Blazers said it had already been uh, asked and he had already addressed it, which he he kind of did in his opening statement, but he he was willing to answer, and I think he was I think in his mind he knew that that was the play to do was to answer every question that was asked, right, and, and be ready to do it, and like and maybe he tells you that the things he's been doing over the last twenty years that have been like helping victims of sexual yeah, yeah. sexual assault or this and that to or things to, he's to, learned to things that better. he's done to grow like, yeah. like I, like i know they're not the exact same team exact same thing but like look at like a a ryan leaf right who is who's his entire career with with drug and uh, and alcohol abuse or whatnot and or drug abuse for sure and how much of a red flag that was and a demon that was for him and now he spent the last last few years being clean and being an advocate for getting people help and this and that and taking all his wrongs and the skeletons in his closet and finding ways to help the people who are impacted by that look at myers leonard who everyone instantly wanted to to crucify right to to just mm -hmm. to just totally throw him to the side he's done for for saying the anti-semitic slur on his twitch which he claimed he didn't know was right. a bad thing to say, okay? But rather than just say that and issue a Twitter apology, which he did issue a Twitter apology, what is flying under the radar is that he has been, there has been reports and articles done on it. People aren't picking up on him, but he's been going to local uh, Jewish communities, to Jewish yeah. gatherings, talking to rabbis, talking to the community that he hurt. Yeah. And not only directly apologizing to that community, but finding ways to heal it and, and be better for and his mistake at the end. 
He's not worrying about basketball. He's worrying about the community he hurt. So that needs to be the same here with Chauncey or anybody in this situation is, is what are you doing to make these situations better to help the community or at least to even tell the community that you're listening. And when you don't get the chance to do that, it just, it just, it's a, it's an awful, awful look. And having your, your family in attendance to, 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 to play off on that. Right. That does, Mm -hmm. that's not the answer. It's, right. it's, it's, it's false. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and I think the more Chauncey could have talked, the absolute better the situation was now PR and Neil did what they needed to do. And that was, we're going to take the bullet. We're going to look bad so that Chauncey can't look bad. But at the same time, you never mm, gave him a chance. No, that's what, that's what PR is yeah. there for, but you never gave him a chance to look good either. And it's just, right. Awful. It's, yeah, it's exactly. just, it's just awful, awful play. That's that's a very well it's a very good way to put it. They they prevented him from looking bad by getting in front of an awkward question, but they kept him from being able to look good. I I, I get it where that's their move, but imagine if that was the attitude on the basketball court. Like <laughs> that's never gonna win games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Another quick interjection here. Chris and I kept talking. We talked and talked and tangented off and talked more Blazers and many other things for another solid hour. So sitting here as I edit this and seeing as we are already past the one hour mark, I'm going to cut all that, save it for another episode. We're going to make this a two-parter this week. It's been a good month since we last gave you guys anything to listen to, so two parts in a week. uh, That seems fair. I think we'll start there. Uh, So going to skip ahead to the end here, but Burkhardt and I will be back to talk about the update on the Dame rumors uh, and many other things, as well as giving you the rest of the content that we talked about the other day. Uh, We'll be dropping that later in the week, so keep an eye out for that, and thank you for listening. Hey, wait. Before we go. (laughs) Stat boy. We talked about why Dame didn't wear the the letter O in the the Olympics, and everyone freaked out. Why the heck did he go with number six? Because FIBA rules. Because he hates Portland, obviously. That's that's what it is, right? That's what you're going to say. He, uh, he hates the Blazers. He doesn't want to be letter own anymore. Yeah, it's rule one, section <laughs> 8.4-11 of FIBA rules. Dame hates Portland and, and the state of Oregon. No. But FIBA rules. Players can only wear number four through 15. Uh-huh. And there are, there are, at times, exceptions made for other double-digit numbers, but you have to wear four through 15. So if you look at the entire... Team USA roster, it's 4 through 15. That's why there was no letter O. No letter O. FIBA. So it's not that Dame it's not that Dame hates Portland, it's that FIBA hates Dame. Yeah. Or also, maybe FIBA hates also, Portland. Also, I was I was an athlete. High level high school athlete, mind you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But I was an athlete. <laughs> you were an athlete. Every athlete has a backup number. They have oh, the number. They have the number that they want, but every athlete has the backup number just in case the primary number is not available. The primary, prim, like my my primary number is twenty three. The backup number was five because I was born on the ah, fifth. Nice. But five was also two plus three. Like I had the reasons to have my backup numbers, just like Dame, six time All Star, you know, number six pick. Like makes sense. Five was also my backup number, uh, so we better hope that if we play on a team together that none of our other teammates are taking number eight, because if someone takes eight and 23, you and I are going to have to fight over number five. Uh, and fisticuffs, Chris, I don't know. I might uh, I might have a might have a leg up on you. No, because then, no, then I'll go to I'll go to number 44, 
Oh, that was another, you got more uh, options. Yeah, that was, that was my mom's I could go favorite, number 11. Yeah, my mom's favorite number growing up, so I always <laughs> liked that number. I'd go number 32 because it's 23 backwards. I have options. It's good. It's good. Okay. Okay. I get it. Fisticuffs are not an option, but lots of numbers. That well, the works. main the That's main cool. reason why I have those other numbers is because uh, I, I I like you. I value your friendship, and I don't want to have to drop you with a five knuckle <laughs> shuffle uh, to get number five. Because I, I I would I would you'd be out for the count. So I don't want to I don't have to do that. I won't have to do that. Yeah. Look, pacifists don't dance the five knuckle shuffle, man. That's just it's not in the not in the dance card, bro. Thank you so much. Wow, we hit the two-hour mark. We have officially hit the two-hour timer on uh, on my screen up here. That's impressive. I don't know if we've gone a full, solid two hours before. I don't know if it's it's not going to be two hours by the time we edit this down. But Chris, of all the imp all, of all the things you impressed me with, this is yet another to add on the resume. Is you and I can talk for two solid hours and not even realize it. Yeah, I can talk to myself for two hours. I don't know if that's a good <laughs> or a bad thing. <laughs> Hey, I mean, look, the fact that you can put up with talking to me for two hours, I think, is very impressive. I, I, I that's that's worth some respect. It's the Thank dad, you, it's sir. the dad in me, the selective hearing. I just drowned you <laughs> out for half of it. I didn't even know the, I didn't even know the question. I just started talking. I got lucky. I answered it. Hey, it's all about the tangents, man. It, it's when you can tangent like we tangent. There's no need to really listen to what the other person says. Just start a new topic. It, it works out, and eventually it loops back to where we started. And it, it's uh, again the true mark of a professional. Thank you so much, man. I, I really appreciate your time coming on. Yeah, if if you want to find Chris on on social, just go look up Chris Burkhart. You'll find it. His Twitter handle's out there somewhere. But in general, Chris, Mr. Burkhart, you've been a a wonderful professional in here today thank you for all of your time thank you for your solid two hours thank you for the other days you committed to working with me where i ditched out and thank you for taking care of your girl's bloody noses I, as someone who gets frequent bloody noses they are a pain in the ass i've had some that have also lasted a good hour and i did not have a a lovely chris burkhart there to help me so i'm sure she appreciates it you're a in weird man your <laughs> you're a weird man in closing your honorable listeners that's it that's our show Thank you to Chris Burkhardt. Thank you to Odar for the fat beats. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Rip City basketball, your weird-ass host over here, Keith, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next time for the next edition of The Trailcasters. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude. Thank you so much, man. Really, really, really do appreciate it. <laughs>